And it's midnight. Ow! Welcome to another episode of the Arena Craft Podcast, a show dedicated exclusively to Innistrad. My name is Arjuna, back from the dead, every week, shambling back to bring you another podcast. And joining us today, the spectral adversary himself from the Shadow Realms. Sometimes you can see entirely through him, the apparition <laughs> known as Kovaka Blue. How you doing today, buddy? You see right through me, huh? You think you see right through me? See those organs. You see those counter spells? I always know there's some nonsense in that hand, man. Do you see him coming? I, I see something coming. All right, all right. Oh my gosh. This is the show. This is it. This is it. Our first shot at talking about Innistrad Midnight Hunt after playing with the actual cards. You know what I love so far is like, I have some ideas about what's good. But it just still feels wide open, and I think that's really sweet. Wide open. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm close. And and that's going to be part of the theme of the show. There's going to be a lot of, like, I don't know, because I didn't play with that card yet, or I haven't even seen <laughs> exactly. that card on the battlefield yet. There's exactly. wide open format, yeah. Totally. And I think part of it, Crafties, I went a little tirade about this uh, on my stream the other day. But so, you know, what do I do, Covert Go Blue? So I fire up, you know, I, I come on with my first deck, right? Starting the stream, whatever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You brave the waiting screen. And the, and the spinning wheel, you fight to get into the store to buy some gems and some packs because, I don't know, they close that sometimes on release day. Who knows how many oh times you had gosh. to try to log in. You get your packs. You actually get them open. Again, braving the waiting screen. You build the deck. You go to the queue. And what happens? Mono white. Mono white. And not just any mono white. Standard 2022 freaking mono white. I mean, that's cute meme as I came prepared, but like, I don't get it, man. Okay, look, I understand we have some free-to-play players out there. Totally get it, you know? Wild cards aren't in absolute abundance like they are for people like Covert Go Blue and myself. But I'm just like, what motivates? What motivates people, Covert Go Blue? Because I'll tell you what, man, like, after playing Standard 2022 for what was it, three months or something? Two and a half months? Mm -hmm. Like... I was fiending. I was literally like the wolf within was just howling at the moon for some new cards, right? Yeah. I just, I don't know, man. Like day one, even on day two, I feel like new decks are like every third deck, maybe playing some new cards. It's, it's just a little heartbreaking over here, you know? Yeah. Because I'm like, I mean, I don't want to touch last format with a 10 foot pole. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm ready for the newness. Yeah. You want that freshness. Indeed. You don't even mind losing if it's just something fresh, because then you get to go build it and try it out, right? Exactly. So I guess what I'm really saying is there's nothing more disappointing to me than Magic Arena gamers. <laughs> <laughs> you all suck. Let, let's be you clear. Magic Arena opponents are very disappointing in, in general. <laughs> I mean, not, not gamers. All you that I'm not playing against, you're fine. It's yeah, always that cool. one. Crafty is <laughs> you're cool, but the rest of them Let's, suck. Yeah. yeah, they suck. I mean, have a, have They're an terrible. idea, man. Yeah. Add a new card to your deck. It's not going to kill you. Let's go. Okay, okay. I hear you. I totally agree. I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend them a little. All right. I'm going to defend them a little. Thing number one, not everybody is so incredibly entrenched in the game that they listen to a podcast about the game or even watch YouTube videos. So they might not even know new cards are out. Or they might see that new cards are out, but they might be in that mind space. You ever in that mind space where I don't want something new today? 
You know, I, I don't want chocolate chip ice cream. I want vanilla, baby. I've been playing vanilla for two and a half months, and I just want some vanilla. I just want that same it, yep, good yep. old some trashy like buzz. It. I got to defend them a little because they're out there getting ready to rage in the comments anyway. So I'm <laughs> I'm going to be a CGB of the people for a minute, even though, go on the record, opponents suck and I hate them. But <laughs> we can't play the game without them I mean, either. They would, they'd, still, <laughs> they'd still be playing Demir Rogues if they had it. You they know would. Saying? That's it's true. Just, come That's on, true. Memes. Okay, so here's the other thing. For a while, for at least three sets in a row, the biggest mistake you could make is playing too many new cards. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you're playing ranked on ladder, what motivates you? You ask that question, honest, fear of losing. Ranked makes it clear when you're losing. You get the little tick down. You know what I'm saying? It's a little tick, tick, tick. People hate that. And whether they want to admit it or not, that motivates them. And they don't want to lose. And the worst thing you could do for at least three sets in a row is play too many new cards. Mm. And you know what? I'm put hot take. Not true anymore. Not not true anymore. Not true anymore. (laughs) We have a real set. This is a real magic set. A real Eldraine set. (laughs) Yeah, it's changing things. And if your deck's not playing new cards, you are getting left behind, gamers. Mm Mm-hmm. Left behind. So, yeah, so those are the hot takes from our time on the ladder. Now, we're basically just going to spend the entire episode talking about the new standard. I know that there's fun stuff happening in Historic as well. We can sum it up in a couple of words. You know, Delver, that's one word. Um, (laughs) There's probably a few other fun things happening. I hate Historic so much, but go on. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm not even touching it. I'm really not. Oh, that's right. Vesper lock. Oh, yeah, whatever. Okay, so we're going to focus on standard. And uh, why don't we start with just discussing what we've played over the last couple of days? Because I know that you and I, CGB, probably both went directly to our trademark decks and trademark color combos and tried them out. So, Kovac Go Blue, I saw you having a lot of fun playing blue-white control. Mm. How are things looking in the format for you so far? Wonderful. Interesting. And, you know, it's a very dynamic format. So I've basically spent my time on three different decks. I've spent my time on gruel, you know, things that go bump in the night. Gruel basically. smashing face. Yeah, gruel yes. monsters. Just gruel yep. hit you with large things uh, and gain infinite value along the way because that's how gruel cards work. So a lot of that. I've also spent a lot of time on blue-white and I spent a lot of time on is it spells. So, okay. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, good, good. It's very, very different parts of the pie than I've been hanging out in. So glad to hear that. Now, just out of interest, it's not hard for me to imagine what you've been playing in the latter two decks, but I am interested what new cards you've been putting in your Gruel list, because I feel like Gruel has a lot of options right now. A million options. A yeah. million options. I'm not, I am not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm not satisfied with the two or three lists I put into the world. I'm, I don't feel like I broke it by any stretch of the imagination, but I do know this. When you go first and play three to four creatures and your opponent doesn't kill all of them, you win. <laughs> because that's, that's the gruel way. It, that, that, that is the gruel way. And along the way, you may have also made some planeswalkers, maybe some vehicles, you know, all, all kinds of things that can just absolutely take over a game. But as far as like what to play in gruel, so the werewolf package is good. Mm. It definitely gets better the more wolfy stuff that you play. And I think one thing that I did wrong was try to be like havesy wolves. We'll just play the good wolves, right? If you're just going to play like three or four, like three wolf cards or less, then you may as well just play like Magda and Jespera Sentinel and like play yeah, Gruel Dragons. Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Play the Regent. Right. Yeah. It's like the Chariot Goldspang Dragon deck. 
basically. I think yeah. that the Storm Seeker, the one that gives out haste, is like the wolf that makes the cut in that deck. And yeah. the others are like you don't play Torvalar in that deck. You don't need Pack Leader in that deck. The mana doesn't support it all the time. That deck feels kind of vanilla gruel, I guess you could say. It's not tribally themed. It's just all these best cards on a curve. And it's really good. It's it's like Kaldheim gruel, right? Like that's right. really what it is. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about it is it now has this like insane curve where you have to kill the Stormseeker or else they get hasty chariot and like Ugh. like all hell <laughs> breaks loose. Yeah, it's nasty. <laughs> But what it has going for it is you have Moonvale Regent if you want it, and you have Goldspan Dragon, so you get to play Dragon's Fire, and you can play mm. Temple, Temple of the Dragon Queen for sweet to just basically have twelve dual lands in your deck yeah. because you have the new slow dual land, you have the pathway, mm. so like mm-hmm. the mana's awesome, and Dragon's Fire is a turn on removal spell, so that's something that not every Gruel deck has. When I got more into, like, dedicated wolf stuff, I didn't think I would want to play the Snowlands anymore because it just seemed like I'd rather play the Creature Land, Shatter Skull Smashing, all these sweet lands. Mm-hmm. But the cheap removal spells are too important in best of one. So even though they're often not turned on, Frostbite, Blizzard Brawl, and, like, 13 or 14 Snowlands did kind of uh, amazing things for the Werewolf deck because otherwise they don't have good removal. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm glad to hear you talk about that. I faced the same challenge in building my Gruul decks where I was like, man, do I want this to be a Frostbite deck or not? Because I stand by my assertion that I think Frostbite's going to be like even better in this format than it was in the past format. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that it was worth it. Basically, even with a somewhat shaky snow mana base, it was worth it, right? Is that what I'm getting from you? It's a good thing that they're decent cards on their own, but you have to be okay with 40% of your games, your Blizzard Brawl and your Frostbite are not going to get snow benefited. And then you yeah. just have to make it work. And it's so frustrating. But yeah, it is, I think, as far as the upside, I do believe it is worth it. Are you running the tap snow duel? Uh, no. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I just couldn't, I man. I have to have Sentinel or Frostbite on one is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tried one of it, and then it's turn four, and that's the land off the top, and my chariot is in my hand, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm never again. Never, never again. again. I, you got to curve. The deck has to curve. Coming into this format, the only place I've found for the snow duels is in decks like multicolored decks running Binding the Old Gods. Because it still is really sweet to be able to fetch up a duel off of that. That's the only place that I've really been able to justify to myself running those snow duels. Because we have the new lands and we just, we have enough lands now that we don't need to feel pressured into running those, I think. Yeah, I have not found uh, time to try out binding again. But I think that makes sense. What you're saying there makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. Now that we don't have triumphs, yeah. you probably still want some sweet duels to fetch up. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not, not sure about Gruel, man. I still got a lot of work to do. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's going to take a little while to figure out the best build of Gruul. I have definitely been impressed by the, like, Wolves Go Hard deck. Like, Arlen's totally been good. Tovalar's been good. Like, it's all looking good, man. If you get to cast any of these cards on the night side, oh my god. Brutal. (laughs) Oh, I had... I don't even remember what all happened on the turn, but my opponent started it at like 18 life and I plused my Arlen and passed. And on my opponent's turn, it switched to Knight. They played like a Goldspan Dragon and attacked me. And then on end step, I flashed in like a Storm Seeker and another wolf, like the, I think it was like the Wolf Lord, the Lord of the Olvenwald. And then on yeah. my turn, you know, I untap and it's still Knight. So Arlen's now like a 5 5 and I've got the Storm Seeker and I've got the like two, the wolves that Arlen made and another 
Werewolf, and I played another thing from my hand and gave it haste, and I attacked for, like, 30 damage. <laughs> Dude. It's, it's so bad. Brutal. It was you know, not the, bad. The nastiest <laughs> thing I've attacked into with Arlen was I swing in with my with my hunt master, right? And it's night, by the way. So I swing in with my hunt master. It's a 7-7. Seven, seven. My opponent flashes in their hunt master, which comes in with a plus one, plus one counter. Just freaking eats my dude. Just straight up, boom, eat your dude. Make two wolves. Taste it. You got <laughs> it. was got. not fun. <laughs> it was not fun. You got that plus one counter is nasty. It's going to make a lot of blocks like tenable that weren't otherwise tenable. And it also basically means that like, especially if you're playing somewhat mirrory or if you're playing, you know, like if you're in the Asika's chariot mirror, for example, if you're in any kind of a mirror, you know, your opponent has the ability to just like make things bigger. So anyway, chariot's a bad example because you can't flash that one in. Chariot and ranger class suck. I, I kind of learned the hard way that they clunk up that gruel deck because you can't use yeah. them with Arlen's ability because Arlen yeah. ends up surviving a good amount of the time because people don't worry about it as much after it yeah. makes two wolves. But when it survives, you really need that plus one to pay. So I'm kind of torn on if those should be in that version. Mm -hmm. Agreed. But yeah, I definitely think wolves is doing work. And uh, I think it's a totally fine deck to get into week one. It'll be interesting to see how it ages in the format. I mean, they've shown us that they're happy to print wolves, you know, outside of this set, basically. So like the pack leaders just doing excellent work in the deck and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, you know, who knows, but it's it's looking very strong as of week one. And if you want sweet new deck to put your wild cards into, I think it's a fairly safe craft at this point. I just don't know which ones. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a yeah, good that's point. a hard that's part. Point. Like it'll take probably another couple of days for mm -hmm. people to converge on like a really powerful list, but mm -hmm. it's got to be there. The cards are so good. Well, let's just hit like a quick list of the top ones, right? So like a quick gas or ass hunt master. What do you think? Haven't played it. Oh, you haven't, haven't had it played against me. Not once. Really? Yeah. Zero wow. hunt masters on the battlefield so far. Wow. Okay. That, we're talking about the, this is the six mana six, six that makes two wolves just, yep. you know, for yep. the listeners. Well, I've been running it and it's been showing up against me. So what does that say about the matchmaker? But, oh, you um, know what it says. <laughs> yeah, this this card is gas. I think when the format settles down, I'll be interested to see whether it's too slow. Not particularly good in any kind of gold spend, dragony, delvery matchup if those cards end up getting there in this format. But other than that, I mean, it's a house, man. The thing comes down and it is a problem. I, it looks like one. I believe it. I, I really yeah. do. I was always trying to like max my curve at four, maybe five, but... Yeah. This card might turn out to be worth it for sure. I think the Arlen Huntmaster combo is just pretty nasty. Okay, so let's talk about Tovala. What do you think, Gasserat? Ooh, lots of wolves. You need a lot of wolves. Like, only in the dedicated wolf deck. If you're dabbling in a little Magda Sentinel action, I, I found the card to be a, a big mistake. Um, yeah. Even with, like, a Sika's Chariot in your deck, I found it to be significantly less than it could have been if you just had more wolves. So dedicated mm -hmm. wolf, uh, absolute gas in dedicated wolves. Like they have to kill it. Mm -hmm. And usually they have a million other things they have to kill too. And I have wolf run the hell out of people by pumping oh, a ton man. of mana into that ability on the night side. And it is a yeah. killer. Fun curve my opponent had was pack leader into pack leader into Tovala. Yeah, oh. that was a lot of oh. cards. <laughs> that was a lot of cards, dude. Not cool. 
Not cool. Yeah. And then the, uh, the I'm forgetting the name of it, but the hasty dude. Is it Reckless Stormseeker? Am I doing Reckless it right? Reckless Stormseeker? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. I, I like to know if I'm getting these things right. So that card, I think can actually cross the aisle, so to speak, in American political terms, where it can play with the Gruul deck where it's the only werewolf, and it can play mm-hmm. with the All Wolves deck and be an all-star there too. I've seen it in Mono Red as well, which people are trying to bring that back. Good luck. And uh, the card seems like an all-star for now, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it works out as it's it's one of the few cards that isn't like a value machine on its own. The value you get from it is the haste itself. That does something the turn it comes down. And then you still have to kill it because the rest of the game, it's threatening to do something nice for another card. So I I have a feeling this card is going to turn out to be gas for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it seems like definitely a safe week one craft for sure. Yeah. And I agree. Its ability to go into multiple archetypes and be threatening just seems pretty sweet. Yep. Yeah. And just it's just so many excellent reasons to be running Frostbite in the format. So speaking of Frostbite, let's talk about the is it list that you were playing, because I assume you're running Frostbite in that list as well. Nope. No. Okay. So nope. tell us about this list. So I'm trying to do a number of things with is it lists. Some of the new cards, which, man, I want to get those in front of me as well, because I'm going to get the names wrong, because they, they just... Card names these days, man, they, they just pile up. And you know me, I try to get them right, and I'm usually pretty good at them. This set's been trying. Yeah, it's been rough on me. So the first one is Arcane Infusion. This is a blue and a red to look at the top four cards of your library, reveal an instant or sorcery, put into the hand, and the rest on the bottom in any order. The flashback is three and a blue and a red. So I've been playing a good amount with this card in a high density of spells, with the idea being that I'll use this whenever my opponent gives me time to find the right cards, get the right cards together, and then do really broken late game stuff. The other card that I'm using is the one that copies. And that's another one that has flashback. Ah, Galvanic Iteration. Red and a blue. Basically teach by example at instant speed. The next time you would cast an instant or sorcery this turn, copy it. The flashback is one and a red blue. If you have a lot of mana, you can basically play this, then flash it back so you double the double, and then the next thing you play is like quadrupled. (laughs) Something to that effect. Have you managed to get off an Auron's Epiphany in that scenario? Yes, but that's not nearly the sweetest thing. Oh, okay. Lay it on me. I have uh, done plenty of like two and three all runs epiphanies. Mm -hmm. But when it came to like filming for YouTube and trying to take the deck to the next level, I found something I enjoyed a lot better. I believe it's called Stormkiln Alchemist. Do you know this Is card? That the guy that makes the treasure when you cast an instant or sorcery. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice little combo card there. Yeah, three and a red, so four mana total, two, three, wizard, I believe, that whenever you play an instant or sorcery, you create a treasure. Mm-hmm. So I have this deck, the video should be up by the time that people hear this, and it's it has Zorn, the, the card that makes double treasures. It has the Alchemist, which makes a treasure whenever you cast an instant, and it has Goldspan Dragon. So these are all creatures that add like basically up your treasure for every instant sorcery that you cast and then because we have the iteration and because we have all these flashback instants and enchantments you just start making more mana than these cost you Mm -hmm. and you just keep playing more and more and more spells until you kind of go infinite and you can cast your whole deck because you're gaining more treasures than it costs you but along the way the alchemist gets bigger and bigger because every treasure on the battlefield increases its power because it gets plus one plus oh for each artifact on the battlefield so my win con (laughs) 
is I have two copies of Kazul's Fury in the deck, and uh, I just fling it at him. I just throw nice. the thing right at them. So it's hidden in the mana base, too, because you can just play it as a land earlier. So that deck is nonsense, but the world doesn't expect it right now. And it reminds me so much of the Jeskai Mutate deck that if they play it like it's just another gold span deck and they end up tapped out on the wrong turn, you just go off. Yeah, you just get You just go crazy. It's really fun. It's really awesome. It's way more fun to play than the Jeskai Mutate deck. Because whereas that one, you had to pick a target and a target and a target. The operations on that deck were miserable. Yeah. I know you know. You were yeah. miserable playing that deck. This one is fun. You just throw your card on the stack. You know, let the treasure auto-tapper will figure it out for you. The triggers will explode. You look at your next cards, you draw your cards, you flash back your cards, and you throw it on the stack again, and you make a million copies of a spell, and it's it's good. Unexpected Windfall, a card I know you like, is an all-star in this deck. Yeah. Looking real good in that deck. Oh, for yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that deck's sweet. I definitely got clowned by that deck on the ladder one day. I think it was the only time I saw it go off, but solid. I mean, once once that thing starts comboing, unless you have a timely removal spell, you're just done. So Actually, it's really fun and it's kind of cool, but the card I want to highlight from that, I mean, we talked about the two flashback cards. First of all, I forgot how good flashback was. It's just oh, two yeah. spells in one. No holes in your mana curve. Do something every turn. It's mm. actually really cool. I appreciate that. It's been a long time since I got mm-hmm. to appreciate good flashback cards. And all of these like uh, dual color ones are worth exploring now, I feel like, especially the low costed ones and the instants. Yeah, yeah, flashback instance, so just chef's kiss, right? Yeah. And the other thing I want to mention, burning down the house. Burning down the house. Yep. They don't see that one coming. <laughs> no, they oh, don't. Oh, your Arlen and all your wolves, get it out of here. We do it on turn four like every freaking game. And uh, if we've got a galvanic iteration to double burn down the house, we can do that. Ooh. And why would you want to do something like that? Well, maybe I just made six one ones with haste and attacked you with them. That's pretty fun, too. Not bad. So one one thing about the one ones with haste, it's way better than I thought it was, simply because there are a lot of cases where a board wipe won't save you. Mm. You need one more turn, but if you wipe the board, they're going to power up Faceless Haven, or they're going to play a creature and crew their chariot, right? But three one ones can block that powered up creature land or block that chariot, and they can't, you know, maneuver around it like they could a board wipe, and you get your turn. So, mm-hmm. better than I thought. Yeah, I also like that just means that the card's not dead against control as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's like there's a flaw to how bad it can be. The card is sweet. That's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, it definitely read like a player to me. Also, just a cool card to have in the format. I like. I feel like you just know it's going to show up in certain spots and going to be good in those spots. So It's kind of amazing when you're doing like the all runs epiphany thing and you just need a little more damage and you just make the one ones you know it, mm-hmm. it, it's like stuff like that that you just don't think about at first but it comes up mm-hmm. for sure okay so speaking about all this nonsense have you tried delver no i have not lost to it i have not lost to delver at all i've not lost to it either i've been deeply unimpressed with delver so far i have some of my decks have not been that good <laughs> so yeah Not showing up anytime soon in standard, I think. Somebody gave me the good old turn two flip, you know, Mm -hmm. turn two raw flip out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and got really close to killing me, but didn't quite pull it off. My Azorius control list has some life gain in it and a lot of spells and a lot of ways to kill creatures. Lacking cards like Brainstorm or just other ways to manipulate the top of your deck, I think it's going to be really, really hard for Delver to consistently get you anywhere. And I mean, let's just remember as well, 
that like a three two flyer it can definitely be impactful but like it's not i mean we're not talking like is it phoenix right where it keeps coming back or we're not talking about getting three of them for free in the same turn or just like it's not actually broken in any way and i don't know man it's just you know we're not playing with force of will we're not playing with brainstorm we're not playing with some of these really really busted other cards so yeah i'm just not sure it's going to get there in standard yeah when i was thinking about what to say about delver what occurred to me is that i do think a one mana three two is broken when it can flip but in order for that to happen you need a lot of instants and sorceries and you want cheap ones because you're Delver of Secrets is trying to be aggressive, or at least the way that people are building it so far, they want cheap ones because they want to be aggressive. And the problem with that is small standard formats don't have good cheap spells. That's not the way they design magic anymore. They make your spells, like any spells that are cheap have drawbacks or are generally weak. Mm -hmm. Like, can you name like a powerful cheap spell? In standard? The the surveil one's the only one I can think of. Do you mean consider? Yeah. Yeah, consider's fine. Yeah, consider is, in my opinion, the best one. Yeah, it, it doesn't win games. It gets no, you to the cards not. that might win yeah, games. Yeah, it's not a ridiculous yeah. game changer, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so Delver just doesn't have... It can't lean on cheap spells. So if I do a Delver deck, I'm probably going to play it with strong spells. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to play it with cards that I wouldn't have put in a Delver deck that would go in Historic because they try to tempo you and do everything in small actions, small costs. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to play it with Memory Deluge, and I'm probably going to play it with uh, Prismari Command, maybe yeah. even Lorehold Command. Because yeah. I, I think that you need a lot of spells that are strong, that mm-hmm. are like legit players for that card to be good. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. It's just like in the older formats, we have these strong spells. We have, I mean, just like Compare it to your Dragon's Rage Channeler deck that you're playing in Historic, for example, right? It's just the entire texture of that deck is different. It's the kind of deck where you can cook along on three lands. It's the kind of deck where, you know, you can put a very realistically fast clock on your opponent, makes it pretty easy to manage your opponent's board. It's just all kinds of threatening. And I just, yeah, we're missing all of that, basically, Mm -hmm. in standard. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a what? It's an uncommon. So, I mean... Craft it if you like crafties, you know, mess around, have your fun. But yeah, I I wouldn't be expecting to win with it. So let's get on to the main course for Covaco Blue. Blue, white, control. So (laughs) it seems like they've given you enough tools to get something moving here, right, CGB? Oh my god. I'm having so much fun just being the worst human being on on MTG Arena. Yeah, blue-white control. Enough tools, I would say, so that you don't lose to the things that have been beating blue-white control for the last... Is it two years? Maybe. Feels like it. It seems like it's been so long since blue-white could beat a faceless haven. You know what I mean? Uh, Shark Typhoon was a huge nightmare. And then, of course, Cat Oven was a huge nightmare when that was legal. Fires of Invention. Oh, my God. Teferi Time Raveler. Like, there's just been no limit to the amount of things that made blue-white decks unplayable, I think. Because Mm -hmm. just playing draw go doesn't work. But I think it does now. The Fateful... Fateful Absence? Fateful Discovery? Is that it? Fateful Discovery, I believe. I think there's a Faithful and a Fateful. And they, they faithful, me- there's Faithful Mending, and I there believe it's faithful, faithful Absence. Yep, you're right. So that's the one and a white a removal spell. Yep, the instant speed-ish declaration in stone that also hits Planeswalkers. Yep. Uh, honestly, just a very unique card. You can compare it to a lot of things. It is very much sort of a white Doomblade plus. Yeah. I found this card to be incredible. 
Yeah. Incredible. Because if you play your Doomscar on five, if you foretell it on two, and then you just stay alive for a few turns, and then cast the Doomscar on five with two mana open, maybe you have a saw it coming for told, maybe not. But if you just even have like a fateful absence for their power up man land attack you, or mm-hmm. their crew chariot attack you, you have in many ways, like stabilize. You're going to get to untap from a position where countering a spell could finally matter. And man, it's been hard to make those matter for a while. So Fateful Absence is awesome. Yeah, and another thing that I want to highlight about this is that like you make up the card advantage, right? It's because, I mean, one of the issues with cards like this in the past is if control keeps handing its opponent cards, you you know, you get into this scenario where your opponent might actually outcard you. But I feel like with cards like Memory Deluge, and what's the flashback draw to discard to? I'll get to that one because it's okay. kind of card negative slash neutral, but it definitely has a place. Yeah. But I want to go, I want to talk about Memory Deluge. Yeah, I mean, that since you brought it up. That card has impressed me. The thing with this deck, I'm used to playing blue-white with a million cards in your hand. Mm-hmm. This is a blue-white deck with Faithful Mending, which we can come back to, and with Fateful Absence, mm-hmm. that you are frequently at parity or lower in cards in hand than your opponent. But if you cast Memory Deluge, and especially if you flash back Memory Deluge, it often doesn't matter. Like, you can make yeah. it all up, because you yeah. can just always have the best cards, it seems like, all the time. The right answers all the time, which is a feeling it just feels like has been out of... We haven't been able to do that, it feels like, in a really long time. Memory Deluge, when you cast the first one, you feel, like, in control. You untap now, you sweep the board, you hold up your Fateful Absence, you go from there, that play pattern I discussed after your first Memory Deluge. When you flash it back... I can't tell you how many times I'm like, okay, this that's, game is over. That's the, the game. Yeah, that's yeah. game. The, the yeah. opponent plays something that's like a 2-2 two, two, or 3-3, three, three, and I still have 11 or 12 life, and I don't feel like I have to answer it right now. So I spend my seven mana on the memory deluge. I look at my top seven. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at my top seven, and my picks have been memory deluge and memory deluge. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. That's, that's the most CGB moment in the history of magic. <laughs> and, and that's where we just start, okay, I have access to my whole deck. I'm going to have the right answers for the rest of the game, and I'm now I'm going to start moving ahead in cards. Yeah. The cool thing about actually being down in cards, and this is contributed to by Faithful Mending, which I think actually has a spot in the deck. I, mm. I'm surprised, but that is the white and blue draw two, discard two, and gain two life. And then it flashes back for one and a white and a blue to do the same thing. I love having something to do in the early turns of the game. I love the life gain. The amount of life that this deck can gain, the amount that just four faithful mendings can gain in a game means that it's hard to burn you out and it's hard to cheese you out with one Mm -hmm. haste thing or with one creature land activation. And it also means I can play cards that are dead in certain matchups and just plan to chuck them. So if I don't want to give my opponent cards and I've got them pretty under control and their threats aren't huge and threatening, I can discard Fateful Absence. Mm -hmm. I'll be okay. Or I can discard Doomscar if they're not going wide. Or I can discard Test of Talents because they probably don't play instants or sorceries I want to fight a counter war over. Or I can discard my counter spells. Or I can discard Memory Deluge because I'm not going to have time to cast the one up front if I'm under a ton of pressure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a great hand smoother. It really is. Mm -hmm. I imagine it also stacks up pretty well with the reinforcements at home right oh my god it's not reinforcements at home but that's where (laughs) that's where i was going so the idea of like falling behind on the board and in cards in hand like letting your opponent have cards and playing card neutral cards like mending you play sunset revelry and this one in a white sorcery timely reinforcements at home card i can't tell you how many times i've gotten all three modes early Mm. in the game nice like turn three turn four 
It's like the ultimate bridge to a doom scar, man. They're beating down on you and you don't know if you're going to make it to that doom scar or you're in that position where if you do doom scar, they're going to untap power up haven and kill you. Mm. But if you have sunset revelry to gain for life, draw a card and block stuff. And you might say all the time, like, how, how are you drawing a card off this? Almost every time I go first and, and I like faithful mending on two or something like that, I can usually do the draw a card version on turn three. Everybody's like playing learn cards. Everybody's getting extra value when they attack with their pack leader. I keep drawing cards with this thing. Yeah, all I the mean, time. even even just like mulliganing on the play. There you go. Yeah, almost yeah. certainly going to draw off of it. I hate mulligans. I hate them most in a control deck. I feel way better mulliganing with this deck because my revelries are like full mode, just mm-hmm. full mode. Mm-hmm. It, it's been great. I yeah. love this card. So I think that that's that's one of the cool things. I really hope that Wizards leans into design spaces like this, where like cards that get better when you mulligan, or cards that get better when you're on the draw, cards that get better when you're behind, all of that kind of stuff. It like it's so like Thoughtseize is like the perfect opposite, right? Thoughtseize is like the card that punishes you for dropping cards. It's the card that punishes you for going second. It's the card that punishes you for stumbling at all in your game plan, and it's so rough when cards like this are in magic but you know yeah cards like the sunset revelry they just like they almost encourage you to play the game from behind and those cut styles of decks are so satisfying to play especially when you have like a really over consuming end game right so it really is it's like a return to the traditional style of playing control and i think that they've executed it really well here yeah it's actually more fun to play a game when the person who who's a little behind can come back (laughs) because that l drain was very much like if they hit all their beats they win there's probably nothing you can do but cards like this that are like big swings in the game i I think they're pretty sweet but they they have a cost you know what's also fun about staying down in cards you can play teachings of the archaics pretty often you know that's another fallback oh yeah with my divide by zeros it feels real good yeah 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 if you fateful absence on two just whatever their two drop is you divide by zero on three odds are you're gonna either have a good sunset revelry or teachings you know Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm Totally. I mean, why do you think I've been playing Cyclone Summoner this whole time? You know, I want for my smarmy little opponent to be like licking their chops, you know, like, oh, Arjuna's at four, we're going to get him next turn. And then you just, yeah. you slam the giant and then you slowly watch the light leave their eyes. If if only you could get them on, on face cam, you know, it, it, you would too. I would. <laughs> oh, I would. Oh, I I'd mute would. them. I would, I would have them muted, but I want to see their face. <laughs> I, I really want to so. see their face when we get to the win cons because you, you haven't heard of anything here that actually wins the game, right? No. And I, I don't <laughs> expect to hear of any <laughs> actually, but, but take us there, Kobeka Blue. The wind cons suck now. Like, there's no dream trawler. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are planeswalkers, but do you expect to sit there ticking up and down your planeswalker for several turns in a row? Yeah, Nico Harris is certainly not going to win you the game. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many ways to just kill planeswalkers now. And if they're not going to give us a resilient wind con, I'm just going to play Devious Cover-Up, this beautiful reprint that shuffles up to four cards from your graveyard back into your library and uh. exiles target spell. I'm just going to play two of those, looping the cover-ups, and never run out of cards in my deck. And that's it. That card is so bad until it's it so is. good. And it is. your opponents just, they just never... It, it's its the ultimate CGB win con. It really is. Yeah. I end up discarding the first copy to the mending all the time when mm-hmm. I'm against aggro because four-mana counterspell is just terrible. But... 
once you're at, you know, once you're late into the game, playing it can just win win the thing. The the last card, I, I do have one Teferi who slows the sunset in the deck. Mm-hmm. I have ultimated this a f- several times now. Okay. I'm going to say it like this. It could be any card, and it would probably turn out... <laughs> The same or better. <laughs> okay. But it is it is a really fun ultimate. And the I life gain that. and the ticking up to gain life actually does put a lot of pressure on the opponent to mm-hmm. commit time to kill it, which I guess is the best thing it has going for it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It is, it is like a three mana Teferi because it comes down and untaps some land. So that's really right. helpful too. You can play it yeah. on turn five and cast Doomscar. I feel like it's like 50% of a hero of Dominaria, right? Yeah. It's like if you just cut that card right down the middle and put it in your deck, that's kind of what it is. I feel like I have a responsibility to just keep people afraid of Teferi. So <laughs> having it in this win conless deck and making them watch me tick it up until I ultimate it. And then once you ultimate it and you memory deluge flashback on both turns, like that... You know, the the Mafia Don might be in prison now, but he's still running the show. Don't you forget it. I, I want to hear about your adventures with Cyclone Summoner, but the last thing I've got to talk about is Field of Ruin. Oh, baby. Yep. Such what a necessary a addition to the format. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely changed everything, at least for blue-white. Mm-hmm. Will probably change things for other two-color control decks as well. In fact, I think it's the reason to play two-color control, because it's Esper-like, has good lands, so does Grixis. But yeah. I think Field of Ruin is kind of a necessary card, and you can run a lot of it. Yeah. And it's kind of epic to plan on how to use your Field of Ruin, because you can sit there and wait till they activate their land. Mm-hmm. And if they have like two or three creature lands, but not enough to power them all up, not enough mana to power them all up, it's kind of disgusting to just sit there and, and have one Field of Ruin shut down all three, because they have to yeah. sink their whole turn into powering it up, and then you just kill it anyway so that's awesome that's really great yeah little note for the crafties there are definitely some of the creature lands where you should wait until they attack before you field of ruin them because you know sometimes if you don't do that the field of ruin will actually give your opponent the untapped land that they need to fire up the following one just pay attention to stuff like that for sure yeah especially if they have to like tap it to attack with it and that one mana could be crucial on the other hand don't try to hit the hall of storm giants no uh, in you combat. Gotta hit that one hit that one with the trigger on the stack yeah Yep, exactly. There's also a lot of situations where you have to make this decision, right? On your end step, you've been holding up Field of Ruin for a long time, but you might tap out next turn. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe now we activate Field of Ruin and blow up their creature land so that they don't activate it next turn so that you know you can tap out. So there's stuff like that that comes up. And my favorite thing so far, I have played against, I swear, more Bant Party in Mythic in the last two days really? than I had in forever. Wow. Okay. And I keep running into lists with no basic plans. <laughs> Got him. All pathways. Got him. Stone rain. Oh, man. It's it's, a it's like thing. playing Teferi Hero of Dominaria again because our end game is I'm using Devious Cover Up to shuffle back in three or four Field of Ruins. Oh, and I'm just blowing up so lands, brutal. just taking them with Memory Deluge. I just run oh. them out of lands. Oh. Well, and that's oh, that's great. especially brutal, right? Because they're playing these like single color lands like the Temple of the Dragon Queen or whatever. You know, yeah. you can pretty easily take them off the colors they need in that deck. So, Oh, yeah. yeah. You get them off green, they're in big trouble. You get them off blue, they can't counter you. It's, yeah. I haven't lost a party with blue-white control, and I expected that matchup to be a nightmare. 
Right, because they run counter magic. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it, it is really tough. But I mean, now if they go for the Linvala, you can Fateful Absence it on end step, then untap, play Doomscar, they play Concerted Defense, you play Test of Talents or Saw It Coming that you foretold, and everything's mm-hmm. fine. Like, mm-hmm. like things are fine. And you might say all of this requires like five or six mana. How do you live that long? Sunset Revelry. Mm-hmm. The card is insane. Mm-hmm. Like it, it buys you so much time. Yeah. Let's also just remember that sometimes Bant Party is also just like a dirtly weenie deck that looks terrible. I know. I know it's hard to believe. What? I know it's hard to believe, chat. But sometimes it do be like that. I thought two mana one three changeling was like pushed rate for beatdown. <laughs> what are you talking about here? You know what I love? I love when like in the early turns of the game, they play three of that one mana one two cleric and you just get. Oh, some. yeah. Arc priest. Arch priest of Iona. Arc priest. Yeah. <laughs> you just N- nice, love when... nice three squire aggro. <laughs> yeah. That's, what I'm, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Never seems to happen against me, but you know. It's a good time. It's a good time. So yeah, well, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're back in the saddle. CGB's feeling happy. He's back on brand. Doesn't have to find the back door into fun with his favorite archetype anymore. I, I will say one more thing before I throw it over to you. Yeah. I cast my first Storm the Festival minutes before going live today. And two Immersturm Predators. Ugh. I, but but I, I had a chariot. It? I had a chariot and the cats on how board. I was behind to a Tovalar, like two wolf tokens and a ranger class and a storm seeker. Two Immersturm Predators and the cats to, to make them indestructible. I was way behind that game. Went on to easy win. Must feel nice, Kovac Go Blue. Does. Feels great. I have now cast, I'm actually going to pull this up because I'm interested to get the numbers. So I'm going to look at my untapped.gg. Oh boy. So I'm one for one. I just want to throw that out there. I'm 100%. So whatever you've got, you got to beat that. Okay. So my Druid class deck, I have played 19 games with it. Do you know how many games I've gotten more than six mana's value out of my Storm the Festival? Zero. (laughs) Zero. Wow. Zero. (laughs) Zero games. Zero games, Kovac Goblu. How many have you played? 19 games. 19 games? Yeah. And zero times you've gotten six mana worth of value? How many times have you flashed it back? Yeah, multiple. Multiple. Mm. Multiple times. You know what? Do you have no expensive cards? Were you like light on mythics? Didn't go get your Ren in sevens? Like, what's up? All I'm going to say, Kovaka Blue, is <laughs> I know how to build a deck of magic. <laughs> and, you I know, myself. this card is trash. This card is trash. I'm going to say I don't know. Right Two Immersturm Predators. I'm going to say for it one. right now. I don't know. You know, some some of us have like a, you know, we have like a friend at Watsy, right? We have a little intern that we call up when we're, <laughs> when we're making our videos. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. So I'm going to talk about the deck that I've been playing today, which is, it's a mono green Storm the Festival deck. And uh, cool. Yeah. Sounds fun. Oh, it's fun. It just sucks. So, okay. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> All right. So here's my issue with Storm the Festival. It's played out exactly the way I thought it would. Okay. First of all, decks in Magic the Gathering do actually need to have a curve. 
believe it or not, you can't just start your curve at four and five mana. So that's the thing. So you have to, so this is what I decided to do, right? I wanted to fill my deck with permanents that would feel meaningful to hit at all points of the game, right? So I built a druid class deck because, hey, it's like a nice little rampy thing. And hitting a druid class off of the Storm the Festival doesn't feel that bad. Helps you gain some life. You're probably going to get like some big nasty hasty creature out of it eventually. So that seemed pretty cool. It's, of course, running four copies of Ren and Seven. We're running four copies of a Seeker's Chariot. I also put the Adversary in there, which I thought was kind of a five-head play. The thinking being that if you hit the Adversary, off of the storm the festival in the mid to late game you might actually have additional mana to pump into it when it enters the battlefield also because these decks tend to be really rampy if you just rip one off the top you might just like get in with two hasty lands fireball your opponent out of nowhere so i thought that was pretty sweet and finally we we're running some hunt masters which no you can't hit off of this but sometimes you just need something that costs more than five mana in your ramp deck so anyway this this is kind of the style of deck that i threw together and it is terrible oh okay Here's, here's my take, right? Is if you're gonna build a deck which wants to get to six mana, why don't you just build a deck that wants to get to seven mana and then just play all of the amazing seven mana spells in the format? The, the, are, are they all in the same color? I, I think you gotta play blue, right? Yeah. So maybe you just want a different color. I don't know. I, mm, I, I'm, I'm over here hitting Imrestrom Predators. I don't okay. know what the problem is. I'll, I'll let you go back to like finding triple green in your John deck. That sounds, that sounds great. I mean, treasures, Jespera Sentinels, but look, man, I accept. It's kind of funny that I'm going to die on this hill now with this card that I think is very cool. And I think the reason I went so hard on this card is you don't even seem to think it's cool. <laughs> See? It That's sucks. why I have to fight for it. I dude, have to fight for the dude. downtrodden. <laughs> dude. Dude, I am Mr. Ultimatum. I, that's why I can't accept this. I am that's Mr. Why I, like... that, that is the main reason that I have trouble accepting <laughs> this. Because I thought if anybody would be with me I am... at the festival, it would be you. You're like not showing up, man. I'm the dude. I'm the six mana janky green build around yeah. dude. I'm that guy. Yeah, the card just let me I, down. Maybe if man. you hadn't judged it so down. harshly before even playing yeah. it. Huh? Eh? Eh? Yeah, I guess I better take up the violin because that's the sad take little card I'm playing right now, man. All right. <laughs> Wear something nice. Make reservations. <laughs> Put in some effort, Arjuna. <laughs> You know, I didn't have to butter up Koma. Wait a minute. You hated Koma so man. much for so long. <laughs> let, let me remind you what you thought of Koma. You just treated Koma like trash. Koma just has battered spouse syndrome and for some reason keeps showing up for you after all the trash yeah. you talked. Now you I two know. are like besties. I know. Now it's, I like tune into your stream and you're like, oh, we're going to play Koma. Koma's good. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do with Arjuna? Well, I'll tell you what, Kovac Go Blue. Koma's winning the fight against Storm the Festival, and I think that should tell you something about how I feel about Storm the Festival. However, okay, so I'm actually interested. So I posted on Twitter. I'm going to pull it up right now so I can tell the crafties about it. I posted a little uh, poll. And you'll be happy to hear, Kovac Go Blue, that Storm the Festival is currently winning with gas yeah. with 53% taste out there so nice turns out 53.6% of the agree with you so. check refresh 54 <laughs> okay. all right all right 53.7% <laughs> okay. of the crafties <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, okay, now we're up to fifty four point three percent. Yeah. Curses, curses. So uh, this is what I'm looking forward to, Kovac Go Blue, is I'm going to run another poll like this at the end of this set before we get the next one, and uh, we'll see what the numbers look like then. Where's your primal adversary poll? Hmm? Hmm? Oh, I mean, I, I could do that one too. I, I have cast primal adversary. You know, you uh, know what happened when I played it? What's wrong with your face? I had a three mana four three. What happened? It was fine. Yeah? Cool. Yeah. Not very exciting. <laughs> You're running like no, like I run 20 like 27. You know me. <laughs> no, you just needed that three drop all the time, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The last time I cast Primal Adversary, I made three lands, and two of them had haste. Wow, it's pretty sweet. So that was one deck that I played. Another deck that I went to. Uh, well, you know, admittedly, I railed on all of my opponents for being uncreative, and the first thing I did was took my Simic list. And updated it to Soltai to play in this this new format. However, I did run a good number of new cards in the list, and they were all pretty sweet. If there's one card that I owe an apology to, it's Ren and Seven. Card's sweet, been loving playing with it. Definitely a good week one card. It'll be interesting to see how it shapes up in the meta. But I'll tell you what, man, a Seeker's Chariot into Ren and Seven has been every bit as good as I thought it was. I've just been throwing away Chariots, man. I've been straight up yep. chump attacking yep. Chariots because, hell, I just get to make another 8-8 eight, eight Reach that's going to keep getting bigger for the rest of the game. So, and then yep, when they can't get through your sweet. two giant Reach Treefolk monster tokens, all you have to do is plus Ren once, and then the minus makes another one. Another It feels so... Yeah helpless dude Bonkers. when you're on the draw to that pl <laughs> yeah when you're on the draw to something it, along gnarly. the lines of chariot into it's ren gnarly. you just like it is so groan inducing it is intensely bad <laughs> yeah so okay so on the festival let me down ren and seven did not let me down the very first time i brought it down i made a tree folk it was probably a five five or a six six the next turn i plus it four lands baby four lands the full did you grip. zero to put oh, them into beautiful. play Oh, it was beautiful. I think I was a right nonce and forgot that I could do that the following turn. Don't worry, we won the <laughs> game. It was fine. <laughs> so yeah, Ren and Seven, week one, definitely delivering. The cool thing about Ren and Seven is that it incentivizes you. I love this card because it incentivizes you mm. to think about how to maximize it. And I think that that's really cool because just making a tree folk is fine. Giving yourself a little bit of ramp is fine, but I just feel like there's more to be done with it, right? And I'm just really, really interested to see where we can go with it. So it's a really versatile card, and I'm really looking forward to seeing, like, all the different places it shows up. I don't know where to play it. Like, that's the hardest part for me is where do you start? Mono green, yeah. Simic, yeah. Jund, Gruel, green white is where is a deck I played against on ladder that did the, like, turn two they foretold... Turn three, they Starnheim unleashed for a 4-4 Angel Flyer. Turn four, they chariotted. Turn five, they ren and sevened. Turn six, they ren and sevened again. They crewed the chariot, made another tree folk, plus the ren and seven, then played another ren and seven, made another tree folk. And turn seven, they Emiria's called. I don't even know how I was alive that long. <laughs> but it, it was long enough to see what real pain feels yeah, like is what it was. <laughs> That was great. Yeah, yeah, that's hot. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure certain oh my people God. listening just got wet listening to that. So there you go. Yeah, uh, fun times. Fun times at Ridgemont High. Green white thick tokens. I would call it green white thick tokens. I don't know where yeah. to begin with <laughs> yeah. Ren, but yeah, exactly. the, the card seems insane. And when you're behind to it, it feels so helpless. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And the reach is just amazing. I mean, it just shuts down Goldspan Dragon so hard. Feels amazing. So, I mean, it did pretty good work in my Saltai deck. Another card I was experimenting around with was the Meat Hook Massacre. And that card is no joke, man. That card, really sweet. That card shredded white trash. It shredded white trash on my ladder run. So I was actually playing around with, you know, when you were mentioning that it was a cool card to return to your hand with cards like Cyclone Summoner, etc. I was like, oh, that would go straight into my Simic deck. We can divide by zero it. We can Cyclone Summon it. So I was running a couple of copies in the deck. Uh, Inconclusive on how, like, absolutely good it is in the format. There are a lot of matchups where it didn't particularly look very good. There were other matchups where I just couldn't draw the damn thing, which was kind of a shame. But it's a... I mean, okay, so it controls the board really well, especially against these weenie decks. Sometimes it's a bit too slow. Like, I found it to be too slow against werewolves. They just managed to scale up their wolves before I could get enough mana to kill them. So that was kind of a bummer. But it even proved to be surprisingly relevant against cards like Alrin's Epiphany. Like, just being able to sweep away all of those birds can either buy you an extra turn or it can get through your attackers, stuff like that. And I even had some long games where just having it sit on the board, like, especially in combination with cards like Coma, you keep gain in life your opponent keeps losing life i had this really bored stally game where my opponent my opponent was going off with the freaking um why can't i remember the name of it now it's the insect token landfall maker scoot swarm scoot swarm yes my opponent had this live scoot swarm for like five turns in a row and they kept doubling their tokens but i had a live coma and i kept like holding the team back and draining my opponent's life and like the whole game was hinged around this meat hook massacre and if i could have drawn anything for like 10 turns i would have won. I didn't. It was a shame, but it was just a really sweet game. So I think the Meat Hook Massacre is a surprisingly... I think the card has legs, and I'm really, really interested to keep building around it. Yeah, I imagine it'll be great against white, bad against green, unless you draw it really late in the game. It doesn't really help you survive against green. You need to draw it when you already have a lot of mana so that you can actually hit their board. But I mean, I've had enough games with Simic-type decks where I'll Cyclone Summoner and I'll feel ahead, but then they'll rebuild the Might Chump or remove the Summoner, and then I'm under pressure and I might die again. And having a card like Massacre to actually get rid of it instead of just put it back in the hand. Sounds amazing. Massacre is just fantastic against cards like Spellbinder. It's fantastic against cards like if anyone's Clarion Spiriting, stuff like that. It's just really, really excellent against decks like that. And yeah, it's just a, it gains you life and drains your opponent's life. It's a very versatile card. So I was enjoying playing with that as well. Trying to think if there are any other amazing new cards that I was playing in my deck that I want to write home about. Oh, I I was playing a couple of copies of uh, Dome Blade and uh, Infernal Grasp. Infernal Grasp, yes. So this is the Doom Blade, which does two life to your face when you cast it. The card was great. Loved it. Loved everything about it. It did exactly what I wanted it to do. It killed Goldspan Dragons. It killed Creature Lands. It killed everything. And as long as you have any kind of life gain in your deck whatsoever, it ends up being pretty fine. Even, oh, you know, even if you just have a strong blocking plan, which Simic often does, it was totally fine. So yeah, I found Infernal Grasp to be fantastic, and I would not have wanted to replace it with anything else. Got a thumbs up from me there. Yeah, looks like, I mean, looks like just the removal that you need. I also feel like... Is there any three mana removal you would run with the options that are in standard? I I don't see it. 
Nope, definitely not running defenestrate, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I promised my chat I was going to uh, defenestrate you for getting that waltzing Matilda into my head permanently because for some reason of all the obnoxious things you did on our last episode, to me, to me, not my view, not, viewers loved it, just specifically to me, the obnoxious things you did to me, that's the one that yes. like stuck with me the hardest. And now I just hear that stupid song. <laughs> in my head all the time and uh you're getting defenestrated it's gotta happen i had several proud australians tell me that that was like a weak made moment for me because it's an australian song and uh really just brings up the love of the motherland man i guess i'm just not gonna be welcome in the land down under anytime soon after those comments <laughs> you're gonna put me in the land down under is what it sounds like no i even if i go they're gonna start singing that song at me everybody who like walks up to <laughs> like the the people from the podcast who walk up to me are gonna like hit me with that song and i'm just gonna be like get me out of here i gotta go home you know i think some of my greatest achievements Covert Go Blue are just dissing magic cards so hard that they can never recover. And I think I've safely ruined Katilda's path to the prom. I think Katilda's just, she's just not going to get invited. It's going to be sad. Yeah, I haven't played her yet, but it's possible that I just can't. She's she's going to be hanging out with Icing Death, the cupcake tyrant. Good lord, I liked Icing Death too. I, I there's so many so many dead cards in the past, but I, I heard another podcast put it a, a certain way that I really liked, which is like you don't really gain anything by being too pessimistic about cards, other than the opportunity to say you were right and someone else was wrong. Which, by the way, that is currency on this podcast. I do understand. Oh, that. but oh, I mean, it, it's most of my motivation. But you do gain a lot by trying to look on the bright side of cards because you just kind of unlock critical thinking skills. You come up with when this card could be good, how this card could be good, and you uh, just kind of get to have more fun in general. So I, at least I have that to fall back on if some of these cards that I love so or went to bat for turn out to be trash. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the dragon, which lets you chain spells. What's that Moon one called? Moonvale vale Regent? Yeah, Moonvale Regent. Have you been doing any work with it or have you seen anyone do work with it? I have it? watched many people do work with it. Okay. I have seen it draw plenty of cards. I I've seen it bring Temple of the Dragon Queen into play untapped. I've seen it yeah, cast Dragon's Fire for four on many occasions. Mm -hmm. Those are good. I've also seen it just in play a lot as a 4-4 flyer, and you don't really want to discard the three cards in your hand, so you just have this thing on the board making the opponent's life a little difficult. They do seem to have to get rid of it because it'll either attack them to death or their gold span dragon won't get in. So mm -hmm. at least it kind of passes this you deal with me or bad things happen to you starting immediately snowball test. Mm -hmm. I think that it it's another red four drop. And mm -hmm. Gruel is really popular. Every Gruel deck I built didn't have room for another red four drop. You know what I mean? I, I'm not sure what the best home is. Yeah, I, I'm not sold. It does strike me as like maybe the top end of a cheaper deck. And I think one thing that I'm learning, you've been kind of talking about it, I've been kind of intuiting it as well, is that I feel like this format is slow enough and the cards are weak enough that like if you're the person just casting more expensive and more powerful spells, I feel like you're often winning in this format. It doesn't have to all be cheap unless like it's removal. Because I think that removal... Yeah is bad in in the sense that there's so much value and everything like does something when it enters a battlefield when it attacks or when it dies or all of the above that your removal yeah. has to be super cheap 
And then your other cards have to get you your value. So yep. that's why I was talking about like not paying more than two. Yeah, I think that you want to be playing expensive and powerful spells. You want to be ramping into them with cheap cards that make treasure or make mana. And you want to be getting them yeah. out and have them be better than your opponents. Yeah, so there's a lot of contenders for what to do with that mana. Moonvale Regent and Renin 7, for example, are two very powerful cards that it's hard to picture existing together. They don't really have any synergy, but they also yeah. could be in the same deck if somebody just wanted to build good cards cards.deck. And there's so much to yeah. figure out with, is it worth it? Totally. Is it? Is it worth it indeed? So that's what I've been thinking about Moonvale Region. I feel like Moonvale Region gets better the better the cheap spells in the format are, because obviously the, the scenario in which you're just cantripping and cantripping and cantripping feels really good. So, but yeah, it, my current opinion about this format is that you do want to be spending mana. You do want to be playing bigger cards. You do want to be like, you want to have some mid game. I feel like decks in this format want to have some chonk. I think that you have real incentives to work towards cards like Alrin's Epiphany. And I think it's part of the reason why I was having a, in all seriousness, I think it's part of the reason why I was questioning whether Storm the Festival could be good, was that my opinion was like, instead of like trying to cast two five drops for free, what if I just cast seven drops, you know? Uh, and I think this is might be anyway if the werewolves aren't too fast and ferocious i think this might still be a format where casting seven drops is is good so that's kind of where i am on week one i think there are some really good strong aggro options but i feel like your deck needs some thickness somewhere and i haven't seen any deck with the ex possible exception of these white trash decks that can probably still get there you can probably still reach mythic running these white trash decks but i think apart from that i think that your your deck wants some on some mid-range in it somewhere i think that that's true and that's kind of fun because we haven't been there in a while. But we, we still have to, like, flesh out. We might see how aggressive some of these decks can be in the near future. I, I still want to try a few things with the white deck with some of the new cards that just have average curve of, like, 1.5 or something like that. Because it's yeah. it seems doable with some of the stuff that's out there. There are some cards also that I keep running into on ladder that I just don't think survive from 2022. Mm to current standard mm -hmm. because I think that Innistrad Midnight Hunt is an Eldrain in the sense that it is packed full of powerful cards and it's coming into a small format. So it's going to have an outsized yeah. effect on the meta. I don't think it's nearly as broken as Eldrain was. Yeah. And I can't think of a card to ban, to be blunt. No, I'm really glad that you brought that up because not once since this new rotation have I ever had a moment of even considering a card needing to get banned. And I think that that's awesome. Yeah, That's really cool, especially considering how powerful this new set is. I I think so far anyway it feels like job well done. I, I still get comments to ban Goldspan Dragon and All Runs Epiphany every day and I guess they're just the new so, Ugin. I, I find that pretty funny but yeah. Well for me the Is It Dragons list is just the new Demir Rogues right? Uh, it's just yeah. the new Grona. It is. It's just the new oh they did the thing again. Oh they managed to perfectly have two dragons and two epiphanies and two counter spells and two removal spells yeah. and two of everything they needed and I lost the game, right? So for me, and especially in best of three, I actually haven't been playing best of three because I've just wanted to like turn over some games and see what's going on. But I would imagine that Is It Dragons is like 50% of best of three right now as well. It's heavy in best of one. And I think there's actually a lot to learn to put in the deck, but people mm -hmm. haven't crafted or seen exactly how to adjust it yet. But there, I think there's a lot of things yeah. that could be in that in Is It Dragons to make it even better. So very competitive deck and something that's probably going to get spammed for the foreseeable future on on ladder. It's just the way it is. I'm calling it now, dude. It's it's going to be the groaner until rotation. Uh. I think 
I think this uh, is the deck that's not going to die. I, I think hope it's the deck. so. I really love playing yeah. against it with blue-white. Oh, yeah, that's a sweet oh, matchup for if sure. If they're going to give me all that time, uh, oh, I'm going <laughs> to be fine. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm just fine with that. If I get to memory deluge four times, like, okay, let's dance, baby. Dance with the dragons. I don't think anything needs to get banned, and I think that from a game design perspective and from a competitive play perspective, I think it's really cool. I also happen to feel that way about rogues, even though I hated it with every core of my being. But there it is. You know what? Some deck has to be the most punchable deck in the format. There's always at least one, and for me at the moment, it's Izzet Dragons. So there you go. I, I like this. Most punchable deck in the format. I'll go with Izzet as well, just because I'm playing against it so much. Yeah. So uh, what are you thinking about playing uh, this week when you have some more time to explore the meta? What's like top on your list coming out of the show that we do today? Uh, it's hard for me to get off green, honestly. I'm a green mage, so I'm probably just going to be continuing to explore. I think a question that I really want to answer for myself is what is the good non-wolves okay. gruel deck in the format? So that's something I'm going to be thinking about. I I lost pretty decisively to exactly the kind of deck I described to you on the podcast before which was basically like a gruel goldspan primal adversary deck which had all the usual suspects magda chariot mm -hmm. that kind of thing it seemed really really strong and they had the exact play pattern i envisioned which was like get out a goldspan as soon as you can follow it up the next turn with like a primal adversary get some more hasty stuff in there just like try to overwhelm your opponent with hasty threats while generating value on the board. Uh, it seemed really, really strong, so I want to just tweak around and see if I can find the best version of that list and see whether it feels competitive. I'm really curious if Stormseeker will make the cut in that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that that is really interesting. And, you know, people are thinking about it, man. I'm watching a lot of people playing Gruul on stream, you know, a lot of big brain people like Chris Patello and stuff. So I think that some version of that deck is going to be really good and probably going to be like an enduring tier one deck, I think. And then another thing, yeah, I'm interested to dive into best of three, which we haven't been able to do. And it's actually one of the reasons I was stoked about uh, Saltai is that Saltai is always a good best of three deck because blue and black just happen to be some of the best sideboard colors. They help you to cover all your options. So if you can get something like that together, that seems fun. You know, honestly, CGB, I'm probably going to be sticking to my part of the color pie for the next week. Just basically trying to make green decks the most powerful. I have like a long list of things I want to do. I, I want to find out what the best run in seven deck is. That's probably like a week of work. <laughs> Because right now there's so many great options. Yep, I want to build, I want to rebuild white aggro because I think you can build a version that plays the, oh, is it captain something captain? The one that draws a card that, that you want to cover. The one search that draws party a card? Captain. Yeah, yeah. I believe in yeah, that. Card. I want to play a version that, that runs a search, search party captain and ritual of hope and not too many threes or fours and is just super low to the ground and makes like makes combat happen. So I want to explore that. I'm sure there's a good build yeah. in there. Your four drop is like intrepid adversary, you know, something like that. And then both of those I want to do. Totally. And then there's like Demir control. You want to cast infernal grasp? Yeah, I kind of want to. I, I kind of want to bounce Meat Hook Massacre oh, with Divide by Zero, you know? So, yeah. I want to see what you come up with with that, because it sounds sweet, man. Yeah. So I've got a long list, but fortunately, my day job is to make a new video every day. So hopefully I'll have something cool by next next week's show. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's go over some takeaways, crafties. First of all, the new cards are powerful. You should definitely craft and try them. Second takeaway, both CGB and I feel that apart from a select 
few decks, the format's looking somewhat mid-rangey, so that's just an interesting thing to note. It also seems like control in some form is probably back on the table, which is exciting. But the wing cons suck, and uh, it's going to take a lot of patience. So you know if it's for you. You don't have to wonder if it's time for you to get into control. If you're thinking about it, the answer is no. But if you're like... Control, hell yes, it's for you. If Yeah, yeah. If you're <laughs> salivating about win conless control, then it's time. Uh, any other takeaways from you, CGB? Brennan 7 is busted. <laughs> if you're going to buy packs, I don't think it's close. I think Innistrad is the best yeah. set currently in the format. Kaldheim is very good, but I think that Innistrad is overall, uh, especially if you like Gruel, the best set in the format. It, it's a sweet set. Yeah. I think it's a home run. You know, it's always good to keep an eye on sets that have dual lands that are going to be important. This is one with those. So these dual lands are very good. Uh, We didn't really talk about that on the podcast, but I think that the takeaway, just use them. Like if your deck, all of them, if your deck requires them use them they're probably correct it's interesting actually because in my soul tie list i wasn't running them but i had a reason for that but i think just like the average deck in the format should if if it's in those colors just run for it's going to be great much better than the snarls twice as good as the snarls screw those snarls man i hate those things yeah terrible (laughs) awful so so bad (laughs) awful so yeah lots of good cards at all rarities good dual lands a strong set that makes for a set that you should try to craft as much of as you can if you're thinking about getting into drafting now might be a good time to draft because uh you're going to be building up a foundational set for the next year plus all right awesome well i'm stoked the set looks really sweet and i don't know man standard might like regular old normal like tournament ass standard might be headed to one of the best places it's been in a really long time. I'm with you. My local uh, game store, for the first time in two years, I'm not kidding, try Friday night standard magic again. Oh, they've, they've been avoiding yeah. it like the plague. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I might sleeve up. We got to see what I open when I get my paper cards. But I might sleeve up for some IRL standard. Oh, something man. I never thought I'd do again. I'd love to see a CGB video, which is actually just you playing live against opponents. That would be oh that would be beautiful. <laughs> I'm sure you could find some takers ready to go up in on disguise <laughs> against the one and best of one. <laughs> next frontier. Oh man, it'll be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Awesome. All right. Well, I hope that you'll join us next week for our week two review of the format. The week two episode is a really good one to catch because by then a number of things have crystallized. I find that usually our conversations at this time next week in the format tend to contain some of the juiciest information you're going to get out of us because it's just like a lot of new information and things are also really crystallizing. So I really encourage you to tune in next week as well if you want to really keep a finger on the pulse of what's happening to do that you can either go to spotify or any of your usual podcast locations itunes stitcher etc you can also catch the video version of this podcast on covert go blues youtube channel you can leave comments they always do they usually involve why i'm just a little bit lamer than covert go blue which is totally fine because you know what i am uh you can also (laughs) catch uh, CGB and myself streaming on Twitch. He's Kovac Go Blue. I'm Rune Craft Podcast. And finally, we always appreciate our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You help to pay our wonderful editors, Fernando and Bottlebrush, among other things. You just help to keep 
this show on the air and to help keep us motivated. We're eternally grateful for that. So if the show has brought you value, please head over there. You can start for as little as three US dollars a month, which is like one British pound. So like, just go, just, just go, just go. All right, CGB, I will look forward to seeing you in all of your furry midnight greatness next week. Arjuna, I've uh, I've never said this on the podcast before. Are you ready? Oh, snap. Here it comes. Are we getting prepared to? Yeah, kind of. Arjuna, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs>